There is a form of multimedia entertainment beyond that which is good. These games are as vast in number as they are terrible. They dwell in the dark recesses of history, unearthed from the pits of the bargain bin. These are the games of horror. This is Garbage Game Night. Welcome to Garbage Game Night, the podcast where we find something on the bottom of a review list and bravely venture forth into the unknown and see if we don't learn something along the way. Like, there's a secret garden inside all of us. But we've got a special setup tonight. I'm calling it Garbage Game Night Viral Edition, not because it'll become popular, but because we are semi-quarantined. We're uh, doing our first recording while online. We're not in the same room. We're in a Steam voice chat here, and we'll be uh, broadcast watching. <laughs> it's fine because we could have cut it out. <laughs> oh, I get it. Uh, oh my god, I'm a moron. Get it? Hunter has corona. He has coronavirus. Anyway, <laughs> we'll be uh, broadcast watching this uh, game experience tonight. So, first, let's introduce our quarantine crew here. Frank, how you doing over there? It's going as well as it can, I think. Perfect. Enjoying that quarantine time? Uh, if yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I had to work and just, well, I'm, I'm and, working around my house, just doing. Yeah. Lots of, lots of projects around the house getting done. That's exciting. No, no gameplay happening. No video nope. games. Not till I nope. finish everything around the house and then I'm allowed to Them's play. Except for right now. <laughs> this is business. All right. Yeah. And for the first time on the podcast, Carly, welcome. How you doing? Hi, I'm doing well, thanks. All right, and I'm putting you really on the spot here. I forgot to give you a heads up. Um, everyone who's first time here, I've asked that they do a little a little background gamer profile, a little explanation of what kind of games you're into, what kind of games you play. Oh, um, boy. I think you give us a quick rundown on that or even what you're playing now. Sure, yeah. So my first game I got really hardcore into was definitely World of Warcraft, uh, nice. pre-BC days. So um, it kind of all spiraled out of control from there. I always tell nice. people when they find out I like games, I, I love games, but I'm not good at them. So don't have any expectations if you want to play <laughs> with me because <laughs> I just button mash and scream the whole time. But I have yeah. a great time doing it. So Yeah, as long as you enjoy it. Perfect. Yeah. Anything you're playing recently? Um, yeah, I'm playing some Animal Crossing right now. Nice. Yeah. What I really enjoy about Animal Crossing is that in, in Stardew Valley, it's like everything is, you get to earn your money and like build your farm as you go. With Animal Crossing, you just launch into a world of debt immediately. It feels like you've <laughs> it been mortgaged. It is too real. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. And you're, you're paying people back for the rest of the game. Mm -hmm. So you're living on credit. Um, but it, you know, it's the music is nice, so it's still pretty uh, stress relieving. <laughs> there, well, yeah. you're you're in debt immediately, but there's like no rush to pay it off. Sure. There's no rush to do anything really. Yeah. You don't even in Stardew Valley. Arguably, you're, you're racing the seasons. Rushed. In that. Well, you're racing the seasons. Mm -hmm. Plus, if you don't take care of your plants every day, they yeah, die. They die. If you don't set up scarecrows, the crows come and get them. I, yeah. But, on the note of that debt thing, a friend of mine, this was his first one, and he's like 15 minutes in, and I got stung by a wasp. <laughs> like, things aren't going up. very well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, don't forget, you're also immediately in debt. <laughs> yeah. He's like, ah. Oh. Yeah, my wife started. I think started, that's what's uh, hitting everybody about the game. <laughs> yeah. My wife started the uh, 
her the town first or the island. And I guess the way it worked, you start another profile on the same switch, you join the same island, which I didn't realize. Oh. So, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So like she created the island and I joined the island and so I'm just exploring and I, I, I find her tent and I'm just standing inside it and I show her the screen and she's like, oh, wow, you decorated exactly like mine. It, <laughs> exactly. Like, are you standing in my tent? <laughs> yeah. So. And so maybe sp- speaking of which, Hunter, uh, I didn't really introduce you, but yeah, welcome back. Hey. <laughs> How's it going? It's going Man, it's been a while. I haven't, yeah. <laughs> I haven't talked to any of you guys. Or, or The last one we played was Minority Report. What do you... Uh, I missed out on that. Yeah, what do you predict that game was like? See what I did there? I mean, it's, it's made from... One of my all-time favorite films, obviously. Obviously, yeah. That uh, uh, it, it dealt Tom with a Cruise. lot of. Uh, oh, yeah, and Tom Cruise, but it deals with <laughs> a lot of not time travel, but you know, predetermination. Little, I like, suppose predi- predetermination yeah. prediction. I predict that it was probably received better than Reservoir Dogs, but not by much. Um, and it probably didn't meet the standards of. Uh, that we because we all love Jurassic. Oh yeah, uh, no, Jurassic, nowhere near Jurassic. Tom hated it enough that it was almost as bad as Secret Service. Frank, what'd you think? The the thing that I really liked was the fact that there's a uh, cheat to have lizard skin. Yes, and <laughs> with the lizard skin, you had like chameleon eyes, and once you turn that on, the entire game is just like a million times better. Oh yeah, but as far as like the fighting goes, yeah, it, it was basically a whole new game. But the fighting. It's kind of lackluster. You can only do it, so much. It was much a brawler. It was like Scorpion King with more guns. guns. Yeah, you had guns, but they, you didn't have a whole lot of ammo, and there wasn't. And there was just like a lot of enemies. It was like a Scorpion King amount of enemies sometimes, and you're just like, hmm. this is this is gonna take forever. And there was like 40 levels. It just it was just way too long of a game. They didn't have anything like super creative about it. It was just like, go here, beat up these guys, and it, it wasn't bad. But the, really, the once you put the lizard skin on, that was where the it money just, was at. Right, you and would you would like that. It is worth noting that it was not Tom Cruise in that game. It was based on the voice actor, and the voice actor was Clancy Brown, otherwise known as Mr. Krabs. So that was fun. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah. yeah, so when you put uh, Mr. Krabs' uh, voice actor in a chameleon skin with eyes that look all over the place during cutscenes, you know that that pushed it over the edge. I think we ended up talking about the movie and the books more than. Uh, more than the game <laughs> itself, which uh, should probably say something. But yeah, so some quick podcast news update. We're probably going to do a few more remote episodes like this due to the times we're living in. See how this goes. Our first experience on Steam here. And that's probably all right. Steam has at least a couple games, I'm sure, somewhere in their library that we can play. But make sure to check out our website and share the podcast with your friends and family if you're enjoying it. Or if you hate it, you can share it with them too. It'll be a good prank. Um, It'll get us more listens. (laughs) Um, All right. So since we're doing a Steam broadcast here, someone's got to play this game. And it's not me because I've got fancy words to say. So determine the player. We will have to have a contest to determine whom among us is the bravest, who understands what it means to be adventurous. So... I've asked everyone here to make a case for a video game character who fits the bill and why. So whoever presents the best answer that they understand, bravery and daring, uh, they'll be playing the game for us uh, this evening. Oh my. Yeah, so any any volunteers to step up to the plate and being... A volunteer may get you extra points. I don't know. I'm surprised Frank isn't jumping at that. <laughs> okay, I'll go Frank. first. All right. <laughs> I, was gonna see, I didn't want to like copy anybody's, you know, because I was thinking of a couple different characters. All right. Um, but obviously, the the one you have to go with is Nathan Drake oh. from Uncharted. Uh. Yeah. 
See, Hunter, I, I was giving you a shot. You <laughs> okay, so Nathan Drake, you know, I mean, can you use any other word to describe Nathan Drake besides adventurer, you know? Mm. He's, he's just always getting into trouble. Handsome. He's always um, in the middle of something, <laughs> and he's very handsome, you know, dashing. Mm-hmm. Um, always has the girl debonair. chasing him. Yep, he's just out there, you know, for money. And, for, uh, for the fortune. Know, yeah, and the fortune. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. It's compelling. All right. So much like every homework assignment in school, I decided to do it wrong. <laughs> and I, I was thinking more along the lines of like what makes an adventure an adventure like somebody who is thrown into whatever world the game is. Sure. And, that makes them brave and, and daring. And becomes sure. an adventurer. Yeah, becomes an adventurer because of it, or they're thrown in and they they never take to it, but you still play the game. So the games that I, I just recently, I finished Horizon Zero Dawn, mm. and before that, many, many years ago, I finished uh, the whole Dead Space series, and I was kind of thinking about both of those games, Ooh. and you look at... Isaac Clark right. of Dead Space gets thrown into this situation, but he never becomes an adventurer. He's an engineer, he's slow, and he's just trying to get out of the situation. Sure. He's trying, like, doing whatever he can to get away from the situation. Yep. And then you have someone like Aloy, or Nathan Drake was going to be my other, <laughs> Nathan Drake, uh, Lara Croft. They don't take the first chance that they have to get out of it. Mm, interesting. You know, they, they continue on with the adventure. They grow because of it. Aloy, she goes from just like a normal hunter to the like this master hunter and she learns and you kind of craft the way she learns whether she leans more towards like brains or brawn or heart is like a small side thing but she she grows in herself she grows through the tribe that she's in like because she's immediately at the beginning of the game she's like kicked out of the tribe for being different and then by the end of the game spoiler she becomes practically like worshipped by them i didn't pick one specific person and teacher's gonna be like yeah you get like a b plus but you didn't really <laughs> maybe a didn't c follow the instructions but okay you didn't All right. pick point, one person point but you, taken you know so that's my point all right all right noted and Carly. All right. Those were excellent examples, but let me paint you a picture here. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. You're on your own. Life's hard. You've got your life established, but you decide to go out on your own into uncharted territory. Oh, no. I know what this is going to (laughs) be. You don't know. All right. You find yourself on a deserted island. <laughs> You're given a couple small things to uh-huh. stoke your, light off, your life off with. A tent. Sure. <laughs> Maybe a shovel. <laughs> I think you have to make the shovel. <laughs> yeah. Oh. You start Wait, you don't know trees. what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, uh, all right, all right. Minecraft? No. <laughs> Animal Crossing. It's Animal Crossing. <laughs> That's I. I came into this podcast really last minute. I did not get the assignment ahead of time. That's what I'm playing right now. And you know what? In its own way, it's a little adventurous. Okay? No, that's a that's a good answer. Uh, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> to put your life into Tom it's, Nook's it's hands. It's true, though. Yeah. Like, yeah. Would you? 
I like, don't know Chris, him. Chris, would you would you go into debt to move to a deserted island? Abandon and live your in a tent entire life until to you, go live on an And island. then you're like, oh, how am I going to catch these fish? I better pick up some twigs from this tree. Oh, I got stung by a wasp. <laughs> yeah. Now what do I got to do? Yeah. Like whatever your character's name is, well, you know, call him like Animal Crossing guy. That dude's an adventurer. Yeah. That's, it's, he's he's that's doing valid. something that I didn't, that I'm not doing. <laughs> His official name is Villager. 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 That's, that's right. true. Yeah. And then he joined a giant fighting match and became one of the top tier contenders in Smash. <laughs> it's true. That's yeah. an adventure if I've ever heard of and it. And he brought that uh, <laughs> net that he built out of twigs with him. Yeah. All right. Well, whew, I have a decision. All right. I hope it's a hard decision. I hope I hope those I liked everyone everyone had a had a good answer. Even the last minute ones were uh, very good. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying I didn't say mine was last no, minute. No, no, I was just talking said about Carly's. I did it differently. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, tonight we are playing a game completely unlike anything we have ever done on Garbage Game Night. It's a staple in video game history. It has had 73 versions of it released of this single game. It will very likely be the oldest game that we will ever play on this podcast. It is the 1983 coin-op arcade game, Dragon's Lair. Dragon's wow. Lair? I feel like I've heard the name, but I Once have you not. see it, you'll know it. Oh, Frank knows okay. it. So this is the attract video, they call it, which is the trailer for this coin-op game. Oh. Dragon's Lair, the fantasy adventure where you become a valiant knight on a quest to rescue the... Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> you control the actions of a daring adventurer. Introduced to Dirk the, the Daring and wizard, Daphne the Princess. With treacherous monsters and obstacles. In the mysterious caverns below the castle, your odyssey continues against the awesome forces that oppose your efforts to reach the Dragon's Lair. <laughs> Lead on, adventurer. Your quest awaits. All right, so that's Dragon's I'm so Lair. Ready for this. Does anyone recognize <laughs> it now that they've seen it? Frank, it sounded like you'd uh, oh. seen this before. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. It's a, Are you it's familiar? A, well, right? as you said, it's been it's been uh, out for a very long time. Nineteen eighty three. Actually, I think it may have been. They put it, I think it was in Stranger Things Season 2. You are right on the I nose. It it episode arcade. 1 yeah. of Season 2, Stranger Things, so called yeah. Mad Max. Yeah, they're playing it in the arcade. Mm. And there, there's still some arcades that have it uh, down here. Oh, I yeah? think I've been to two or three that have had it. And I've, I've never played it uh, personally, just because I mean, I've watched like videos of playthroughs of it, you know? Yeah. Um, it's just like you know, I don't know. I'm not gonna waste quarters on that, you know. But if, if it was well, here, we are like, like unlimited. Not on that yeah. garbage. Yeah, but when you know now, you, not wasting quarters, you're just playing it. I'm all down for that. <laughs> all right. Well, yes. From the back of the box, or actually, this is from the Steam overview, which is a, a amalgamation of uh, descriptions the game has had. The description is: You control the actions of a daring adventurer, finding your way through the castle of a dark wizard who has enchanted it with treacherous monsters and obstacles. Dragon's Lair is a fully animated classic arcade game from legendary animator Don Bluth. You'll make your way through the castle, wield your sword against some strange creatures, and ultimately rescue Princess Daphne. So, Frank, you said, uh, yeah, you've seen this before, you're familiar with it. Uh, Carly or Hunter, did you, have, you feel like you've seen this before? Does it look familiar? I've, it looks I've, familiar. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen the artwork for sure, right. and I'm interested in finding out if the, like so you said it's fully animated so the game looks like what we just watched yes yeah we just watched like, a trailer you know, for it and that wasn't cutscenes. that's that's the gameplay which is gameplay interesting and we'll okay, get into it yeah huh. 
Yeah. Um, and just like, because like, if this game is that old, you kind of figure you're going to be looking more at like 8-bit. Right, right. Yeah. And we'll get into the technology then. of it because it it's something else. And just to be clear, this version that we're playing is the Steam 2013 uh, version that was uh, Greenlight release for Dragon's Lair. There are so many versions of it, and many of them are extremely poorly reviewed, including the 2006 version of this, which uh, was called Dragon's Lair HD, which is what this is based on. Um, so, just to clarify why it is on a garbage game list, um, but we'll get into that some more a little bit later. So, just the important question is is this the best version that we can play? <laughs> this absolutely or is. Or are the you best once version. again? No, no, this is the best version that's out there. A garbage version <laughs> for garbage game. Well, let's see. Hunter, I think you did an excellent job describing what it makes as to be an adventurer. And if, it t if you give that to a teacher, they'd probably give you a B minus, but you won me over Hunter. So I'm going to oh, send wow. you uh, this game I here. I appreciate this. Ah, I'm so excited. It was, it was last minute for all of us. Cause I mean, you gave us I, I, I gave it to you guys really late. Yeah. Some of you later than others yeah. though. <laughs> true. True. Uh, I would like an A for effort. I think. <laughs> Steam forces you to sign gifts like with a message. So anyway, what we'll do is uh, we'll see if we're, <laughs> we'll see if we can watch your broadcast. So I've received a Steam gift, yep. uh, Hunter, Decline. for explaining stuff. Best wishes, <laughs> Chris. That's me. <laughs> if we were in two thousand three, yeah, we'd I be was... waiting an hour for this to download. But this should only take a second. We'll see, Frank. Why don't you explain uh, a movie that you've seen? <laughs> What's the last recently? movie you saw? Explain it. In right, depth. I just yeah. watched Outbreak last night. Is that appropriate? Uh, starring I mean, Dustin you shouldn't Hoffman. do that for your anxiety. Uh, <laughs> you shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, you know, Netflix just keeps recommending it. You know, everyone's, everyone's watching this. Everyone's watching this. Like, you know, I've never seen it, so I'll check it out. All right. <laughs> so Dustin Hoffman works for the government. This isn't the way that I wanted to do it, but Frank, you also have a gift now. So oh you guys, gosh. you guys can start playing. I was gonna buy it, but now I don't have to. In this in this world that we're in right now, you can afford twenty dollars. Uh, yeah. Well, if you guys play it for less than sixty minutes, you guys can refund it. <laughs> I just died. Yeah, I think. All right, hold on. We're, Carly's gonna shift over here. Yeah. So since we're having some Steam difficulties in broadcasting, come on, Steam, both. Frank and Hunter are trying their hand at this arcade classic, and I'll run through some facts about this game. All right, so you guys probably caught that the title card for this is Don Bluth's Dragon Lair. So in case you guys are wondering where this guy gets off labeling things like he's Sid Meier's or something, Don Bluth was an animator for Disney in the 50s, and between doing... Latter-day Saints missions and working part-time at Disney, he started up his own theater... Um, then ended up working full time and running the Bluth family. Running of the Bluth family, yeah, building some <laughs> houses. <laughs> Committed some light treason. He uh, <laughs> light, very light treason. Uh, he ended up working it full time happens. at Disney again, and uh, he worked on Disney's Robin Hood, Pooh Bear, and Tigger Two, the Rescuers, and he directed the animation in Pete's Dragon. Which, if you guys Ooh. can remember what that looks like, it kind of looks like the animation in this. Um, at least most of, yeah. uh, out of all of Disney's films, probably looks like um, Dragon's Lair the most. Yeah, and what we're looking at, just to be clear, it's a, like a Western-style animation that's not quite, not quite Disney. Yeah. So anyway, he left Disney because he was disheartened with the way that it was being run. But um, his time there, he met two other animators who wanted to revive that classic animation style. 
uh, Gary Goldman and John Pemeroy. They founded the Don Bluth Studio, and after making a short film on weekends and nights for a couple years while they all worked at Disney, they quit Disney, taking 11 Disney animators with them, which was 17% of the studio at the time. It caused a delay in The Fox and the Hound, and the film that they began working on is a film that we referenced before, it's a film that was too scary for little Tom. Do you guys remember what film that was? No. Fern Gully? No, good guess. No, The Secret <laughs> or, uh, of Nim. Secret of Nim. I knew it was something oh. like that. Did he say yeah. he, was, he was scared by that? Yeah. Was I there it was for the, the uh, owls, yeah. <laughs> it was a oh, celebrity wow. death match. We, we brought up Secret of Nim two episodes ago for uh, because oh, Shannon Doherty voiced the eldest mouse daughter in it. Points for anyone. What was the Secret of Nim? Like the actual secret. Do you guys remember? If you even remember the film at all? I I have like seen the movie, but many, many years ago. Right. And I don't remember. Well, NIM, about it, which is in so. capital letters. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. You, think, you think you got it, Frank? Don't Google it. No, I'm <laughs> just going to say, I've, I've died like 10 times yeah. while you've been talking. I'm just watching him die repeatedly. Yeah. I, <laughs> I have I'm no clue what's going buttons. on. No, you know what? And I kind of, I think I watched this not recently, recently. Yeah. But recent enough, and I honestly don't he remember. He watched it in the car. But I remember that creepy here. mouth. I remember the mouse <laughs> with the glowy eyes. One and a half speed. Yeah. yeah so I, the yeah, secret of yeah, Nim, well, it was remember. rats that had glowing eyes mostly. The secret of Nim, uh, Nim okay, yeah. was uh, its initialism for National Institute of Mental Health. <laughs> um, so oh. there was experimentation done on the rats on this farm, and they were all much smarter and like starting to form their own civilization. So it's like flowers for Algernon? A bit, yeah. Um, and then they find out <laughs> that the, the Nim is going to come and exterminate the rats because their testing is done or something. So, uh, yeah, mm. I, I had completely forgotten that. I put it on the other night, and it's... It's dark. It's got some dark parts to it. Anyway, they, they saw starting this project or um, starting their own studio as prodding the sleeping giant that was Disney. Like maybe they'd become fierce competition with Disney and Disney would muscle them out of animation, but they thought it was worth it to get Disney to start putting out better work. The Secret of Nim didn't actually do that great on release at the box office. It had a much more successful video and cult following. So afterwards, they did have to file for bankruptcy. And after that, they formed the Bluth Group and began working on Dragon's Lair, which is the game we're playing now. This hot mess. Yeah. So if, <laughs> you guys, uh, explain to me, you've been so, playing it for like 10 minutes now. What are you experiencing? Um, all I'm doing right now is, and I'm, I keep trying to think about it, of what it's called, but they, they do it in a lot of modern games where you have quick to time press events. a specific button. Yes, this game is just quick time events, and I'm failing miserably at it, <laughs> and I hate it already, and it moves so quickly, and I have no idea what's going on. Yep. It's jumping from scene to scene. Uh, it's like, hit this, hit that, hit that, and then like there's been several times that it looked like I made it, but then like the animation reset, and I died. Right. Yeah, so. and I'm completely lost. <laughs> Frank, how you doing over there? Uh, Thirty seconds to to be downloaded. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's yeah, it's, yeah I, I don't know. So not great. All right, I haven't been. Sorry, I gave no, I gave great. it all away. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know when I actually die or go to the next room because nothing looks the same. <laughs> and I'm seeing like now I'm in a room with a whole bunch of furniture swirling around. Yeah, and then I just fell and died. So you're playing the version of the game where when you die, it jumps you to the next game. So you're not getting too much uh, chance to master each room. Although I will point out for you just as a little hint, uh, if you haven't 
figured it out yet. If you look on the bottom of the screen where you have to click things, um, it does right. light up what you have to do. So yeah, Dragon's Lair does not look like uh, it's from 1983 and it doesn't look like a video game really. It looks like hand-drawn animation cutscene. It's uh, in a Western style animation well, that, that's almost that's like Disney. That's definitely like what it is. It's just like all you're doing is is hitting a button and it's choosing which of a predetermined exactly, you know, right. animation, no doubt that you're going to see. Yeah. Similar to the way they did, um, I think we've talked about it a couple times, like the original Mortal Kombat games where it's just like 10 frames of animation and then you hit the kick button and it plays the 10 frames of animation right. for yeah. the kick button. Definitely. But yeah, th- so this is like pre that and it's just like, oh, you didn't hit the button. So it's like an if then kind of thing. Mm-hmm, exactly. If you hit the button in time, then you get the next scene. If you don't, then you go into the swirling pit of death and <laughs> yep. end up in another part of the castle. But it's so quick. Oh, every, everything happens very quickly in this game. It's hard to take it all in. Yeah, It's disorienting, even just as the viewers sitting here watching him play it. I mean, like one scene cuts immediately to the next. Yeah. And I'm I, like, what even just happened? <laughs> yeah. On one hand, you could you could put that into like, well, they had to hand animate all this. So it's not like they were doing extra scenes, you know, it's the style of gameplay also. So um, a guy by the name of Rick Dyer, uh, president of Advanced Microsystems, wanted to create a text game that integrated graphics in some way. Um, his pitch was using like still mm-hmm. images and narration um, and create like an adventure kind of game. It kind of repeatedly failed to get picked up until he saw the film The Secret of Nim in theaters and realized what they needed was a, a quality animation to go with it. So he linked up with mm-hmm. uh, the Bluth group to do the artwork. But the question is, how would you get these visuals into an arcade in 19? 19- 1983 looks like you said everything you'd expect to be 8-bit and everything was 8-bit well there's a cat on my lap right now okay uh well you uh this is clearly uh joe bluth's idea right (laughs) so bad so what you had to do was you had to utilize that dated technology that has not made a comeback in the way the vinyls have it's laser discs the uh, 12-inch DVD-looking things. This was not actually the first Laserdisc-based arcade game, but they were the first to do it big in North America. Rick Dyer had seen another game called Astron Belt at an arcade show. Uh, use this tech. Yeah, I'm, I'm like progressing, but my strategy now completely ruins the game because I just focus on the arrows and I'm not watching any of the um, yes. like any of the animation. That was also which the like the animation is good. I I enjoy it. Like it was cool to watch at first, but I'm like if I'm gonna actually play through this game and try to get through more than two scenes, you just you stare, stare at the arrows at and look the at arrows, what you have and to it do. becomes like a game of bop it. <laughs> yes, yeah. So that that brings up a good point. What you guys are looking at the interface that shows you the arrows and it gives you a little highlight about. Um, what what command you have to put into advance. It's either up, down, left, right, or sword. You got five inputs um, that your character is continuously facing and you have to put in one of those things to uh, successfully continue. That was not in the arcade version. They had no heads-up interface and really no indication of, aside from the animation, of what they had to do. So if you guys can imagine playing this game without any of those hints... <laughs> I can't. It's like sometimes the things Uh, that you have to do, like they don't match up at all. It doesn't seem like with what you have, like sometimes like a lightning bolt will come down to your right and you're like, oh, I should jump left. No, you got to use your sword. So, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a big uh, exercise in memorization more than, um, anything. 
Yeah. And the the input window seems fairly small for such like an unforgiving. Yeah. And actually, you guys are playing on easy also, and that widens the window a little bit. So the arcade game was even even a little uh, more demanding than this. And you guys do put in your high scores because, as you guys know, we always have a award at the end of this. And oh, am I finally gonna get my dinosaur to hold up myself? Maybe. Uh, no, you guys are never getting those. The reward for getting the highest score this evening with, you know, however many playthroughs you can get, whatever you're happy with, will be this... Are you sending a picture? <laughs> uploading a picture what to the Steam it? chat right now. It is this super cute little dragon. But, oh, look <gasps> at it! Oh. That is very cute. It's pretty adorable. Yeah, they, I did actually find a 3D model of Dirk the Daring, who you guys are playing as, but it came in about 42 parts that had to be assembled, and I don't, I don't care about you guys that much. Oh, so. <laughs> how does he? How does he? He doesn't even look like he has 42 parts. I'm surprised Carly hasn't like pulled me out of the chair to play. <laughs> you want to play? Like, come on, come over here. <laughs> All right. All right. So this game in the arcade, essentially, what you had was a DVD with 22 minutes of footage on it. It would start playing, and when it gets to a certain point, like Dirk is about to fall off the edge, it would look for an input at that specific point. If you did that input correct, like move left, Dirk would jump and it would the DVD would jump to the next progression clip on the DVD, and if you did it wrong, it would jump to the appropriate death sequence on that DVD. And I give that example of DVDs because it's essentially the same technology they're using, and that actually is one of the 73 releases that this game had, an interactive DVD. They really this game on an interactive DVD where you would just play it with a remote. So yeah, I mean that's that's essentially what this is. It's so a it's a the, quick time events on top of a DVD. So this is actually then the second game in my life that I've played that's been on DVD. Oh yeah. Uh, the first one being the game at the end of the Gargoyles movie. Oh, I didn't know about which that. Which I owned on DVD, and they had it was it DVD or was it VHS? They might have had it on VHS actually. Yeah, never mind. So I played your a own VHS adventure? game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's funny that this moves so quickly, and yet when I'm watching a movie on DVD and I want to skip to the next chapter, if I accidentally hit the button twice, like the whole freaking program just crashes. Right, and that's that's but something that we're not experiencing, quickly. though, because this isn't actually playing off a DVD. Um, this is able to jump oh, fairly true. smoothly. But one of the big complaints that people had in playing this in the arcade was, yeah, it's, it's, you have to imagine a laser disc, the reader jumping from one spot to another spot. And sometimes that took a second or two. So there was, um, Mm -hmm. like a a black screen or or a pause between you putting in the commands and it loading the appropriate video sometimes. All right. never mind, Carly, you gotta get, you gotta get out of here. She's already (laughs) beat my high score. Oh no. Yeah. So to to put this game in the arcade scene in context, because we're we're probably not all here very familiar with what was going on with arcades in 1982, but the revenue in 1982 arcades was $8 billion. That's more than pop music and Hollywood films combined that year. It exceeded revenue of all major sports combined at the time. And it earned more than twice as much as all casinos in Nevada combined in 1982 which is wow. wild. Yeah, one article said it peaked over $12 billion and then uh, what's known as the uh, arcade crash happened and it was down to $100 million, uh, in 1985. So just three years later, it went from $12 billion to $100 million. Pretty wild. 
was it just like a saturation, like the same thing that happened to yeah. the laser tag? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and probably that's happening to escape rooms soon, uh, <laughs> if the pandemic didn't already do that. They're too much fun. They'll no, they're great. Die. I love them, but uh, they're everywhere. Frank, now. what's your high score so far? Uh, I think I got the 6,000, and then that's gone now. Oh, no. So I hit... I had just under 5,000. I think my top score right now is 4,900. Uh, nice. Chris, do you remember your top score? Uh, I can, I can take right, a I just got, at I'm it. at 16,993, but I just died. It, it just kind of keeps going. So, Carly's um, at 42,000. Yeah, so the, the arcade crash, I, I pulled two quotes that kind of described it. It's kind of fascinating insight into video games here. So the article says, it's from The Verge, the big game companies were aware of their predicament. If a game appealed to the mass of players who drove the arcades industry's profits, the hardcore gamers who made up the base and spent tons of time in arcades mastering them would move on quickly, spending far less money. If, however, the game was extremely difficult, casual gamers were put off. This dilemma would plague the industry for years. So they're saying if they put, uh, you know, a hard, extremely difficult Dark Souls kind of game in there. Um, you know, it's only going to appeal to that small, hardcore base, but if you put an easy game out there, the people who are spending the most money aren't really going to play it. Um, so because there were so many games saturating the market, um, the Surgeon General apparently said some things about addiction to arcade games and its effect on the soul, but also uh, the next <laughs> quote I have here is the outcry over gaming and <laughs> arcades happened almost simultaneously with a crash in the video game industry on the heels of the Pac-Man bubble. More uh, video games were produced for arcades and consoles. Uh, consoles did, uh, didn't necessarily have an effect on the arcades, but consoles um, helped revive video gaming in general. Hmm. But in the lead up to 1983, the market was flooded with games and arcade operators who often bought machines on credit or on loan from distributors saw massive decreases in profits. So you had a ton of arcades popping up. They were buying up a ton of um, arcade units and they were all going into debt over it because at the same time, just the national sentiment about um, going to arcades was kind of declining. So some info about this arcade unit in particular. Uh, again, it came out in 1983 and it cost, I believe they said in an interview that it cost $1,500 for them to buy an arcade unit. Um, that was pretty expensive. Like one, one individual unit version of this game? Of Dragon's Lair, yeah. Because it had a laser disc built in, which was expensive tech and uh, pretty unusual for arcades. But once they started rolling out, they had a backlog of a thousand units in demand um, for them to um, produce. So, uh, and the game was so popular that they were making their money back within a week of them purchasing it. And part of the reason for that is the game cost 50 cents to play in 1983 and yet it was killing it. Yeah. 50 cents for three lives for this game. And like, that's like three seconds of play. Yeah, it it could be. Yeah. So, Uh, but if you think about this game in an arcade, so I looked up the top games or games that had come out recently to 1983. You had Donkey Kong, Qbert, Elevator Action, Mario Bros, which the, it was the Mario Bros, the one that looked like it was like a joust stage. Like they had the levels and the, the platforms and you bounce on each other's heads. And Spy Hunter is <laughs> a game that keeps coming up. And, hey, Spy uh, Hunter. And, uh, and, but to imagine this game going on at the arcade, it's blasting its trailer with fully hand-drawn animation looking like no other game you've ever seen in an arcade. It must have been like wild to see there. I could definitely see how it would appeal because like i now that carly's playing and i can actually watch the game and not just right the uh not the controls you know, that you have to put. the bottom the the animation's done really well and yeah. it's the settings and or the set pieces and the characters yeah the you got some funny things really going beautiful. on 
and it must look amazing, like you said, next to like Super Mario and like the right. original Spy Hunter and whatnot. So, yeah, oh, it's so all over the place. Yeah, yeah, it's it's frantic. Yeah, the the gameplay because you're you're just jumping from one scene to another. There's no there's no frame spared because they had to hand draw all of them. So uh, mm-hmm. this is one of three games along with Pong and Miss Pac-Man that's on permanent display in the Smithsonian Museum in Washington. It's credited along with other Laserdisc games of uh, preventing or at least delaying the arcade slump in the 80s. All in all, there are 30 scenes in this game. Um, like you guys are going from kind of room to room. There's 30 of them. And if you do it perfectly, it lasts 12 minutes. So if someone were to hmm. pop in their 50 cents, they could uh, do a perfect run in 12 minutes. Some negatives about it, some of the Laserdisc players that shipped with this, especially the original version of this game, the laser gas lasers had a life of about 650 hours. So you couldn't run this machine for uh, a month straight. It would just break down. Also, this version that we're looking at here is the HD version, and it's been restored. The game, as originally shipped in an arcade unit, you were viewing it in what was essentially 336 by 240 resolution which is close to VHS, very, very low quality um, compared to what we're looking at. But still, like, really impressive just stylistically compared to those other arcade games. It really was more of an exercise in memorization than anything. It's like doing DDR to off-brand Disney, you know? But um, So I'm doing... I'm doing the scene where the ball is chasing you. The marble, yeah. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Yeah. And it's literally just down, 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 down. Until down. it's not down. Until it's up. And that really catches <laughs> you, you have, off guard. Because you're jumping over a hole. <laughs> yeah. And, but it seems to change the amount of downs before the up. It might. Time. I, I think. I've tried to count them out or and I got pretty good at it. Set. I think it's the same. Yeah. I don't think anything is It's always one longer than you think. There, there's yeah, one just, scene that can go a little bit longer. The elevator drop scene, which you guys have probably seen. Um, it's okay if you miss the times. first platform. You can you can jump onto the second platform, but very often you can drop through like, I think it's up to nine layers of elevators and you can choose whichever one to get off that wow. you want. Yeah. So that's the only one that has some um, difference to it. But yeah, if you imagine- there, yeah. There we go. You imagine playing this at the arcade. I, I kind of think of it like like it was DDR. Like you want to be that kid at the arcade who could play through all 12 minutes of it straight and beat it. And I imagine like all your friends who were playing this also, you were memorizing the scenes and you'd say, oh no, the scene with the snakes, you know, that you got to go left, right, sword, right, you know? Um, you'd be trading notes with them. And uh, yeah, I think I can definitely see how this would like take on a life of its own at the uh, arcade. And I, some people oh, who are absolutely. commenting on it. I would play this if I was a kid who frequented arcades, which I was. I was that DDR kid. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, well, actually, I was the ITG2 kid. No DDR. (laughs) ITG is better. Um, But had I known this was available, if it was at my arcade, I would absolutely have played this. I just played for a few minutes and I was super zoned into it. It's simple. Yeah. But it is fun. I mean, it keeps your attention. You know, yeah. you're well, you're focused on hitting the right arrows. Right. Yeah. You're and just staring that at those. part is simple. But the background is so fast. Oh, it's yeah. Changing it's changing every so second. Rapid. It's so it's kind of like a nice balance. Like you're so zoned into these small, simple commands, but you're so distracted by a background. It's easy to find yourself wanting to watch it like it's a cartoon playing. Yeah. Not yeah. something you're actually controlling. Yeah. If you're not controlling it, then, yeah, you're just watching a cartoon, essentially. 
Yeah. yeah so uh, I'm trying to. I've been looking up real quick. I bet somebody's done this, but sound effects play a very uh, strong emphasis in this game. Like mm-hmm. as I'm playing it, and I'm like, I wonder if somebody's been able to beat the game. Oh, without, without like blindfolded. Maybe by just if, if there's a if there's a cue for each room because the rooms are randomized. So as long as you know, yeah. What so room as long as you into, memorize each room, right? But and as long and as, as, long as, as there's an like, audio cue for each room that's unique. Yeah, yeah. You can definitely do I, it enough times that you happen to guess the right ones too. If it's only twelve minutes yeah. or twenty-two. Rooms. And I'm starting to remember what this one is now. Yeah. Now, yeah, we're only times. a few minutes into it, or no, probably fifteen minutes into it, and you guys are starting to kind of remember some of the rooms i'm sure so other don bluth films can you guys name any we said his studio did secret of nim and i just did gave carly do, a hint accident five uh, goes west what was that chicken Ooh, movie. close very close frank American Tales, Five of Goat Watch. Well, that was the first. American Tale was the first, and then Five of Goat Watch was the sequel or whatever. They did an American Tale. Hunter, were you guessing? Oh, oh I, I can never remember Rock-a-doodle? what that chicken movie was. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good. Good job. Was because I forgot one? about that. No, you are correct. That also is. Oh wow. Yeah. That was totally. All right. So I did not uh, think that was yeah, right. their next one after Dragon's Lair was an American Tale, or after Secret of Nim at least was an American Tale. So Spielberg saw Secret of Nim and loved it. Uh, he said he thought that style of art and storytelling died with Walt Disney, and it took them a while to get a project together. But yeah, then Steven Spielberg and Don Bluth came together to make an American Tale, and so that I can stop talking for a second, uh, Carly. <laughs> Uh, would you mind, I sent you the first paragraph of plot from Wikipedia of an American tale so that we can see how this was such a simple and straightforward message that kids could identify with. This is the story (laughs) that they decided to collaborate (laughs) on. All right. Well, in Shoshka in 1885, the Moskowitzes, a Russian Jewish family of mice who live with a human family named Moskowitz, are having a celebration of Hanukkah where Papa gives his hat to his five-year-old son, Feifel, and tells him about the United States, a country where there are no cats. The celebration is interrupted when a battery of Cossacks ride through the village square in an anti-Jewish arson attack and their cats like Likewise, attack the village mice. Because of this, the Mouskowitz home, along with that of the Mouskowitzes, is destroyed. In Hamburg, the Mouskowitzes <laughs> board a tramp steamer headed for New York City. All the mice aboard are ecstatic at the prospect of going to America, as there are no cats there. <laughs> if you remember the song, it's like <laughs> yes. I only know that one part of it. <laughs> That's the only part you need to know. There are no. Oh wait, and the streets are paved with cheese. <laughs> there yeah, we go. Yep. That's right. <laughs> there uh, are no cats in America, <laughs> and the streets are paved with cheese. <laughs> During a thunderstorm on their journey, Feifel suddenly finds himself separated from his family and washed overboard. Thinking that he has died, they proceed to the city as planned. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Though they become devastated at his loss. Ah, there, there we go. It is. Redeemed it. However, Feifel floats to New York City in a bottle. Meets a pigeon named Henry Le Pigeon, who gives him <laughs> advice to find his family and embarks on a quest to find his family. That's right. That's oh. the All right. simple story that kids could identify with a battery of uh, Cossacks and their cats <laughs> doing an anti Jewish raid. Oh. <laughs> 
gosh. Yeah. I um, remember watching this as a kid and I just don't recall any of this. Yeah. Much like uh, (laughs) Secret of Nim had an effect on Tom. Uh, and he, all he remembered was the scary owls, the, the fireworks scene or the giant, uh, contraption they make at the end that's launching fireworks to scare the cats away. Yeah. That's, that's the thing that stuck with me for that film. <laughs> that and somewhere out there. That's the other Ooh. song from that film. Yeah. Ooh, I don't remember that one. That one? Hold on. Can I get into my falsetto? Somewhere Let's get it. <laughs> out there <laughs> beyond the Oh, wow. oh yeah, that one. That one? I wow, don't think it was the spot wrong on. Words. Yeah. All right. Well, I, after know, that song and make <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, after that film, they did another that film. Is, of course, not to be confused with the comic book Moss, which is about yes, the actually. So, fun fact on that: he was going to sue. Spielberg for putting out this film because he was almost done with his uh, graphic novel and felt it infringed on his. Um, But instead, what he decided to do was release it in two parts. So he released the first part before An American Tale came out and um, then released the second half, which he wasn't done with later. So he he beat them to press with (laughs) a story about Jewish mice. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah. Good on him. Good on him, yeah. So the next film that they worked on, again with Spielberg, was uh, The Land Before Time, which was the only Don Bluth film, by the way, that didn't include Dom DeLuise. (laughs) Um, Dom DeLuise was (laughs) in every single one of these films so far, and uh, he didn't participate because he was busy with Oliver and Company, um, which was a Disney film. So that film was produced by Spielberg. He didn't believe in dinosaurs, right? (laughs) Yeah, actually, Land Before Time also had some like very deep storytelling elements that when I was reading over the plot, I was like, yeah, I I guess that was part of it. And a lot of it had to be cut because when Spielberg saw it, actually, so the film was produced by Spielberg, George Lucas, and Kathleen Kennedy. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy, who now oversees Lucas Films at Disney. Yeah, so interesting crew came together to make that. And like their original cut of the film had some like things that were so dark that Spielberg uh, told Don Bluth group that like you, you can't keep that in the film. It's like you can't have kids crying in the lobby afterwards. So um, yeah, the, the T-Rex just destroying the the happy uh, vegetarian uh, or what do you call it? Not vegetarian dinosaurs. Uh, Frank, help me. Herbivore? Herbivore, thank you. <laughs> yeah, herbivore yeah. dinosaurs. You can't have a, a T-Rex just <laughs> Those destroying these families. Dinosaurs. Those vegan dinosaurs. <laughs> Frank's got to be over there like scoring he's a million so points. Yeah, I'm sure he's into it right uh, now. 7,000. I, I keep getting killed. So one thing real quick on this game. It. Oh, you can actually pause it. Wow. No. Um, oh. How about that? The directions that do coincide properly change when the camera angle changes yes so i'm running down a hallway and i'm preparing because i know the floor is going to drop out and i'm going to have to jump to the right and then all of a sudden the camera flips around yes and i have to hit the left button yeah all your controls are in perspective to your character so yeah if the camera's behind dirk and then it jumps to his side yeah then what you're expecting to do will change and they seem to like, is it just me or are some of the scenes reversed at times? Or they absolutely obscured? are. Like, they mirrored I'm some of the rooms. I'm pretty sure 
Yeah, I I just I saw I watched Carly play the one where you jump on that like mechanical horse. Yeah, and it flew off to the left, and I'm now there. Yep, the patterns will still the same, but they will they will mirror. Yeah, Uh, most of the rooms in this game will mirror. But the pattern will mirror then as well, or yeah, no, the it's the pattern mirrors as well, so it's still like uh, what visually makes sense. So that could throw off somebody trying to do like a blind playthrough. Absolutely, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, you're right. All right. I have to have something to do on the quarantine. I'm going to try to do a blind <laughs> playthrough. Uh, Carly's going to start playing again so that she can win the prize. Oh, you didn't beat my score yet? No, oh. not yet. Oh, I thought you did. did. I'll I, let you catch oh, up. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> All right. I'm already tired. I only of this wanted game. to reclaim we're it. Definitely gonna, we're definitely going <laughs> to re- return it and keep Chris's money. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know if it works that way. <laughs> Um, yeah, so other uh, Don Bluth films, uh, we mentioned Dom DeLuise doing voices. This is what I think when I think of Dom DeLuise doing a voice. Uh, another, any other guesses for what he could possibly voice, perhaps as a dog? Featuring a cast of dogs. It's got oh, us. All Dogs Go to there Heaven? There you go, All Dogs Go to Heaven is the next Don Bluth studio film, yeah. It's uh, it's a little too like dark for a movie. Disney film. I saw that one in theaters. Oh yeah, I don't know if I did. I definitely, yeah. it was one of those things that was in the the VHS cabinet when I was growing up, though. Yeah, yeah. And the next one they did was like you said, Rockadoodle, which I can't recall ever seeing, but it looks like it's about an Elvis Presley looking rooster trying to make it as a musician. That's about the gist of it. That one has a really dark like nightmare scene that. Oh, yeah puts the Dumbo nightmare scene to, to shame. Like it just makes that one seem like a dream. It's really dark, really creepy. And if any movie is, is my uh, secret of Nim. It's that. When I was a kid, I think it's probably Rockadoodle. I don't jive on that. It's a bit much for me. <laughs> All right. The next one they did was Thumbelina. Yeah, I've seen that. And that one didn't do times. too great, and neither did their next one, which was their poorest performing film, which was A Troll in Central Park. A film Ooh. that earned $71,000 in the box office. Um, and it's, I uh, do remember that you one. You remember that one? Yeah, it's like uh, yeah. apparently pretty musical-based compared to the rest of his films. After that, he went on to work with Fox Animation Studios and produced and directed. By the way, I keep referring to it as like the Don Bluth, or Don Bluth group, but Gary Goldman and John Pemeroy, who I mentioned earlier, they've been with him almost every step of the way, so it was this group of animators. Mm. Um, but they went on to produce probably his most successful film to date, which was Anastasia. Um, that was uh, oh, oh, wow. Fox. That was a big one. Yeah, that was Fox animation studio is kind of biggest hit and seemed like okay wow they're competing against disney now and then after that they followed it up with a film that broke the relationship with fox which was titan ae which was fox's last traditionally animated film up until the simpsons movie yeah i like titan it was a good movie yeah, it's underrated from what I hear. All right, so uh, Carly is sitting sitting pretty at 76,000. <laughs> yeah. 76,000. How's it looking, wow. Frank? 16,403. Oh, boy. <laughs> Looks like someone's getting themselves a dragon. I think, uh, so <laughs> I've, we've, we've developed some strategies. One, I, I, I think you do it better than I do, but the basic strategy is just to keep the cursor on the sword. Yeah, keep yeah. it in the quickly move up and down left and right but i really i can't fathom how anybody with any less than like a hundred dollars and a whole (laughs) day to spend at the arcade (laughs) could get anywhere in this without that little like thing at the bottom i assume it's the the same as, as the way we're playing it where if you hit it 
too soon or if you hit the wrong one, yep. then it kills you. Yep. And so I, I imagine I, I put my money in, I hit go, and I just like move the controller and bam, there's one life down. <laughs> yeah, it, I've watched like, people play it on an arcade unit and it seems like in some ways there's a little bit more forgiveness. Like people, when they, when they tap up, they'll tap up like two or three times. So it looks like they're just looking for oh, that okay. window to hit yeah. it, and they'll tap it a few times. This version that we're playing, um, I mean, you, you could definitely argue this is like a different experience than what the arcade unit is yeah. because they were playing a memorization game, and we're playing a stare at the interface and click it as fast as you can. I will say that my technique is I'm not afraid to double-click if I think I've hesitated and I'm going to miss it. Right. And when I do that, it's... I mean, it just, it's fine. <laughs> I heard through someone's uh, microphone, uh, save me. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's me. That that breathless Daphne, yeah. After Don Bluth Group made Dragon's Lair, which was very successful, they followed it up with a game called Space Ace in 1984 uh, using the same exact technology. And we'll take a look at the trailer for it a little later. It's a theme song I can't get out of my head. It is just <laughs> completely, absolutely frantic in its action. If you think like watching then playing this one is feels wild, this game is all over the place. That one though does give you hints about which button you're supposed to hit. Like on the edges of the screen, it'll have an arrow every time one of your input commands uh, has to come up. Oh, so they learned. Yeah, they learned that a lot more people would play it if they they put those in there, I guess. Uh, so it's it's a lot more polished overall and Steam does have it remastered in a bundle. If you guys really dig this look, you can check it out. Um, yeah. And after Space Ace, they did Dragon's Lair 2. And... Dragon's Lair 2 is insane. I don't have any way to describe <laughs> it. It's like a fever dream of like chaos and Alice in Wonderland. And part of it is literally Alice in Wonderland. Like there's a sequence where for some reason Dirk the Daring is like fighting chess pieces and the the cards and stuff. It's 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 wild. Uh, and it, it lasts so much longer than this game does. I'm watching. So I'm trying to focus on what is going on. The animation. In the game, because I'm watching Carly play now, I'm trying to focus on what is going on in the game and what the commands are telling. Because, like I said, yeah. as you play it, as we're playing it, you can't focus on both. No. So I'm focusing on both, and I I just watched the one scene where you're running down like a spiral staircase and bats attack. Yes. And the floor is falling out from under you, so. You My think. initial thought was that it's, it's going to tell her to go left, and then it tells her to attack yes. before the bats even show up. Yeah, yeah there's so many so times where I, like, oh, there's a monster there, I should swing at it, and it's like, nah, you should back up. I'm like, well, I had no way of knowing that. <laughs> I would have to die, yeah. remember that I died that way, and go back and try it again. And every time as I watch her play, I'm just like, oh. There's fifty cents and a dollar, dollar fifty and two dollars. Oh yeah, I wasted a lot of money here. Oh yeah, yeah. But there's something that's that's like alluring about it. Like I mean, I don't hate playing it as much as I've hated some of the other games we've played. And yeah. I'm like, oh, if I can just get the, I've got the pattern. It's a very, it's so simple that it's easy to jump into. It's and you one guys of know like, there's something at the end that you want to see. Is there? There is something at the end. Have, there is a final sequence. Did you sequence. see it? Did you get through? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I've beaten this game a couple times now. Oh, my bad. Wow. Well, no, as long Big as you guys <laughs> as long as you guys keep continuing, it does uh, progress you. 
All right, and to wrap up the movie section, so Don Bluth's legacy is not that he's still alive, actually. He's out there doing classes still. He's, he's doing fine. Don't you worry about Don Bluth. He's like 83 now. Oh, that's uh, good. But that's his good. legacy, uh, which he has, you can still have a legacy and be alive, is that he uh, competed with Disney <laughs> leading up to what would be the Disney Renaissance. Um, you could argue that he did force them into stepping up their game. When An American Tale came out and Secret of Nim, they uh, invested a lot more into their um, traditional animation studio. Uh, they released The Great Mouse Detective against An American Tale. And it did pretty well and because of that they kept investing more into that studio and they released Oliver and Company against Land Before Time and most people consider the Disney Renaissance starting with uh, like Little Mermaid Rescuers Down Under Beauty and the Beast etc so all the films that he was making led right into the Disney Renaissance now you know yeah, so we've talked a little bit about what kind of style of game this is. Uh, Dragon's Lair falls into a category uh, that some people would describe as interactive film or a movie game. And with okay. the advent of LaserDiscs, it essentially created the opportunity to put a, a choose-your-own-adventure kind of game to film. So that's what we've got here. There were several iterations of this before Dragon's Lair. Like I said, um, Astron Belt uh, was the one that kind of inspired the design for this game. Um, or the technology for it. But this game, uh, Dragon's Lair, definitely had the biggest impact with this this style and look and gameplay. But this style of videos and QuickTime events didn't make it to home consoles because it really couldn't until the Sega CD, which allowed a true video format. Um, and by that ah. I mean like film footage. It's super compressed video, but you're watching film and you're doing QuickTime events to play it. The standout to me that mimics this gameplay is a Sega CD game called Night Trap, which you guys have probably heard of, um, at least you've seen on a list somewhere of like most bizarre video games or most unique games. It's a game that like you're watching like a mo- kind of movie sequence of like some teenage girls on having like a sleepover uh, through like surveillance footage. I don't know what footage. you're watching over <laughs> there, Chris. <laughs> Stay with me. Stay with me. <laughs> okay. We're and playing uh, you're Dragon's a, Lair. You're like a, you're a, a secret agent and you've got controls for their house to spring traps on intruders that are coming into the house and it's like vampires and like other baddies who are trying to get the teens. <laughs> so like you're watching this video footage and you've got <laughs> buttons like drop the trap door or a sound the alarm or something like that. So yeah, it's, you're watching a film and you're, you're doing these, um, triggering these quick time events to, to keep them safe. It's, it's a bizarre game. To prevent the Twilight. Sisters. Right, exactly. That's what, if only they could have prevented <laughs> Twilight. Ooh, wow. Carly might have even beaten mine. So 104,000 is my uh, final score. I don't think she's uh, no. beaten yours yet. You're 4,000. Yeah. Oh, you she were very close to the end then. All right. Yeah. In a time of low quality graphics in 1983, this pre-rendered video animation style with uh, QuickTime events synced to it uh, made sense. But you know, it's become, it's definitely become less necessary as graphics have advanced. You know, as we move into systems with better looking visuals, I think the desire to have something like this where it's all pre-rendered and you're sort of forcing a game on top of a video, um, it's kind of fallen by the wayside. We still have QuickTime events, obviously. Heavy Rain or Sections of God of War definitely use QuickTime events. You could argue that Telltale's Walking Dead series uh, uses a style of QuickTime events. Um, reacting to all of their games scenes. Yeah. 
like God of War, it's certainly the same idea. Like you press, you're pressing X to jump to avoid a hammer coming down and then triangle to swing up his arm and clockwise to swing around his neck and square to slash at his head. And that's all things you're doing in God of War. But that's all happening with graphics being rendered by the game um, as it's happening. It's not a pre-rendered clip that will jump to another pre-rendered clip if you do it wrong. So just a differentiation of the, the tech going on. It's it's really just not really a necessity to do this anymore unless you wanted to do something like hand-drawn animation, which I am positive that some games exist like that out there, but uh, none that have made a splash like this. And <laughs> playing this did remind me of something I think we've all done, which is Black Mirror's Bandersnitch. It's not snitch. Black oh. Mirror's Bandersnitch. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Bandersnatch. Snitch, yeah. Catch the snitch. <laughs> Bandersnitch. <laughs> yeah, not only was the era set in the same kind of setting as this, 1983 kind of era, but it was a choose-your-own-adventure um, using film. So watching or experiencing Black Mirrors feels similar. You're, you're choosing to kill your dad or not. And uh, Does Dragon Slayer get so meta, though? <laughs> it doesn't get that meta. <laughs> He turned to the camera and he's like, this is just a video game. What are you doing with your life? Well, maybe our hero Dirk does wink at the camera at the end. Um, we'll have to get there to find so, out. So I just beat it. Oh, you did? Wow. Congratulations. And I was so close to beating it. So many, it was that last sword that oh, I, yeah. I'd, I'd missed it twice. Yeah. So I'd reset. Otherwise, I probably would. So I ended up with the 76,756. Okay, uh, so it's possible because to finish it there. All right. I had to reset. But yeah, using the using the directional keys on your keyboard is a million times easier. Even yeah, though it is. sometimes still, it's like you instant reflexes. Like it, it's so crazy. The mouse is harder to use than a joystick would be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there you can memorize it to a degree here, but... I think you are still so focused in on just waiting for that arrow to light up. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to find out if when they reverse the scenes, do they fix his sword? I, sword I was staring at that too. No, line. his his sword is not fixed. His sword is uh, changes sides on his hips. Oh, does it really? Yep. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> you can only fit so much on a laser disc. I uh, because I at least for a long time I went to a lot of thrift stores to collect vinyls and every once in a while, since people don't know the difference, uh, a laser disc would get slipped in with the vinyls. So I, I always thought about collecting Ew. them, but they're, they're fascinating looking. I mean, it's almost like a movie poster size thing, you know? Hipster, you. Right. But there's uh, it, there's no need to get them. Like it just has an age like vinyl. It's There's no argument to be made that it's a superior format. It was at the time. Well. But, uh, it's, it's compressed except- digital, Frank. <laughs> Tell DVD us, Frank. can hold more data on it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's very true. But uh, if you want to watch the highest quality version of the original Star Wars trilogy, ah, LaserDisc is your only unaltered way. Yeah. Ooh. That's it. That's it. Really, the only reason to have that's a LaserDisc is just wanna, the original Star Wars trilogy. Got to make sure that Han shot first. Han from uh, Fast and the Furious. <laughs> <laughs> Before he died, and then came back, and then died again. Hunter is. What do you think? Is he almost Climbing there? Climbing up there. He's right. at 45,000. We'll see if he can no, make it this time so you guys can experience. Yeah, but then he has to do the end sequence, which uh, he's not he's not tried <gasps> before. Yeah, and, and when you read the replay, it really sucks because there's some parts that are just long, so you're waiting to do something you can't because you have to just sit there and wait. Yeah. 
He's focused in now. He's ready to <laughs> take the prize. I'm, got I'm the <laughs> so focused. Heard a lot about the dragon's lair. There is a dragon <gasps> yep. in this game. The dragon's name is one of the best dragon names I've ever heard. I don't think they actually say it in the game, but the dragon's name is Singe. Singe. Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple. Uh, the death animations in the game are actually one of the highlights, in my opinion. Like, there's one where he dives through a wall that's closing and, like, his foot can get stuck in it. Oh, yeah, I saw that one earlier. Yeah. I think that happened while I was playing. I think through. I just did that one. I'm in an interesting predicament here, I guess, that the award goes to the highest scoring player, and yet Frank won, but doesn't have the highest score. Oh, what was your score, Frank? Uh, 76,000. Wow. What? Well, I did yeah. say highest score. How did that wow. happen? I reset so, on the last level. So basically, Carly did more of the game without failing, <laughs> but Frank oh. beat the game. Right. You should just give it to me. Since, <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, it seems like the only way to do it. All right, so we're watching the final sequence here. We made it to the dragon's lair. So sometimes, by the way, Objects will light up when you're supposed to click them, and that, that's the hint that it's giving you, that like it's on the left. Please save me! So there's Daphne's she has, Wow. She has very, very pointy nipples. I heard... You figured she'd just cut herself out of that glass thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. No wonder people were spending so much money on this game. I would, I would put countless... <laughs> quarters into this just if to I see got that. to see that at the end. Yeah, also, yeah, they said that they never got any blowback from uh, like people saying like how uh, it was corrupting the youth or anything. Like they just never had any blowback well, about the nobody could get there. No one get there. Yeah. 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 We did it, but we also had the keys at the bottom. Right. Try to distract you as if the end scene wasn't hard enough. That's why they put that in there. <laughs> <laughs> If she turns into a dragon right now and kills him, that would be the best <laughs> in this game. Oh, that's All right, smart. the end. Oh, that's wow. smug, smirk. What a great game. <laughs> All right, and real quick, we'll look at Space Ace, their follow-up game. Space Ace. Space Ace. Defender of justice, truth, you know, the keep the, the busty lady. We need that. Yep. The evil this time it's a blonde yeah. guy and a redheaded girl. And they have voices. Yes, they have lots of voices and. By the Infanto Ray. Struggle with Dexter to regain his manhood. Destroy the Infanto Ray. Exactly, but he has the ability to. Like, okay, all, these games are very clearly like making some kind of, you know, <laughs> underhanded <laughs> comment about masculinity. Yeah, it's a it's a view from the eighties. <laughs> this this video is only eight minutes, so this one's even quicker. What on earth? <laughs> oh! <laughs> and I'll be honest, the animation doesn't really look nearly as good. I, I don't know so if it's just the video, though. but it seems choppy. Yeah, I love the soundtrack to this game. That little that little tune that's going whenever he powers up. Yeah, so the hero in in Space Ace can uh, get his manhood back and become a buff dude again. <laughs> and uh, each time he does that, it it launches that that soundtrack for Space Ace. 
I feel like this game is specifically trying to offend me <laughs> for not being a a, a manly a man. man. <laughs> yeah. Are you okay? Oh sure. I'm just <laughs> okay, you don't oh sound my like that. Okay. <laughs> 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 Oh my gosh. Alright, yeah, so we'll watch a few minutes of Dragon's Lair 2 here. Is that his mom or is that, is his that, wife? that Daphne? Law, I believe. So yeah, it starts with Dirk being oh, assaulted she said by... Daphne got... Yeah, Daphne got uh, kidnapped again and you're running away from... Yeah, so we're going through the first minute of Dragon's Lair 2 so far and you can see what I mean. It's just you're you're going everywhere. Yeah. And things are about to accelerate because this thing that looks like the USS Enterprise that you just landed on. Yeah, what is that? It is a dimensional warper or time machine of some oh, sort. Oh, no. And why is his sword, like, flashing? So that's how they indicated what you needed to do. Like, everything that, uh, if you need to go left, right, all of your options for what to input, it would flash. So it's flashing the sword because you got to do the sword input. Oh, that, like, da 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 would get so annoying so quick. Yeah. Yeah, that would, that's distracting. It's great animation still. Yeah. And it's oh, still, yeah. like, super interesting to watch, but, yeah, it's like... Oh, now we went into a photo. Oh, wow. Oh, okay, so, yeah, this is straight up Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, absolutely. So this is the original Kingdom Hearts, then. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, jumping through dimensions of other people's uh, copyrighted material. <laughs> yeah, other people's copyright. <laughs> so this scene that She's we got very into, big, very naked woman. Garden of Eden. That oh, was this Eve. is the story of Adam and Eve. Yep. Wow. Apparently, Dirk was the cause of the fall of humanity, the original sin. <laughs> There's two snakes. Huh. <laughs> 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 Now there's a cherub oh, trying to right stop us from uh, giving the apple to Eve. And now Eden has fallen. This is not <laughs> subtle at all. No. There was a Dumbo in there, I'm pretty sure. I was just going to say, was that Dumbo? Yeah. All right, and he warped over to another sequence where Beethoven is composing. Not realistically, though, just like he's flying through the roof on his <laughs> piano and there's a lightning storm. And for some reason, no, a slightly captured... He thinks that she dies. And, Does she uh, have uh, her same nipples? Uh, still... yes. Uh, Did you 40, jump already? I feel like Frank was there like 10 minutes ago. You didn't see ago. him earlier? You missed him. <laughs> I'm, oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, they're not they not they're like back. a little bit less. They're a little more subtle. <laughs> he does a Sleeping Beauty kiss on her and tries to wake her and thinks that she hasn't woken and he's just sort of mindlessly whacking bats while he's all depressed. I'm watching it's, it's that pretty right funny. Now. There's some, there's Congratulations, some you are a winner. You are a winner, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so guys, uh, Dragon's Lair. I keep saying guys. It's a, it's an inclusive guys, guys and gals. How did Dragon's <laughs> Lair live up to your expectations? What what'd you think from seeing that original, they call it the attract video, which would play on a loop at the arcade and playing the experience, at least the experience that they could give us on Steam. What'd you guys think? This, I believe, is the first game we've played that immediately I was like, 
I'm not going to like this. I as soon as I started playing, not just like the attract video looked beautiful and right. like the animation was awesome. And obviously that's just like the straight gameplay. So once you figure that out, it's like, OK, that's good. But like as soon as I started playing, I was like, this is bad. This is terrible. I hate <laughs> quick time events. I hate this. But then once like you figure out how to play it and once we started developing strategies, talking strategies, and I'm actually probably going to spend my entire quarantine vacation <laughs> trying to beat it now. Yeah. But I, I actually do think I'd like to go back and beat it. And I think that says a lot about, you know, games that we play on on this podcast specifically that it went in reverse. Whereas like some games fast and furious where it was like oh yeah the first level is amazing because you're just driving around flipping cars and it just goes downhill from here right this game started off like what is this garbage i don't want to play this what am i going to do for the next two hours (laughs) by the end of it i'm like all right let's i gotta beat this right frank or carly well i uh yeah, I don't know if I'll ever play this ever again. <laughs> but you already beat it. So had you not? I already, I already beat it, yeah. yeah. Had yeah you it was not one of those things it. where it was like, I was like, oh my God. I, I just, you know, because it, it really varies. Some of them you have a little bit of time to do the action. Other ones are like really quick. And, and it can be really frustrating because you can be kind of into a groove. And then all of a sudden either a level is mirrored or, you know, it's one of those fast quick uh reactions and it's, it's very unforgiving which i mean you know I, that's i get it it was made in the arcade days a lot of arcade things are very unforgiving um so it makes sense yeah but, and it's, uh, it's hard to say yeah, I, I was trying to gauge some people's reactions on their reviews because some people did say like I, I have the arcade unit or i remember playing the arcade unit like i said 73 versions of this game have been released from versions like on nes which in absolutely no way captured what this game is about to uh you know the steam version which is using the original graphics but it's it's hard to say if this is a lot easier or harder or different than the arcade version it's hard to gauge that so kind of all we have to go off is people's um reactions to playing this this version of the game are you counting i just looked it up real quick because you said dragon's layer mm-hmm. nes and i was like what how is that even yeah it, is, are, do every, they count this as one of the 73 yes. versions because this is like a completely different game yeah it, it this is. is like had i gone to the arcade knowing how like oh this is what they this is the art they use to sell games and then this is what you normally get this is what i expect sure this is like i'm watching a video now of nes mm-hmm. dragon's lair and this is like exactly what i expected right. that we would be playing tonight yeah oh, and wow. then of course we played what we played and then this is like just a mess of hot garbage. It's very linear. He's chucking daggers at a dragon. Yeah, it looks like Pitfall. Yeah. Yeah. Significantly less interested in this one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not quick time events. This should have been the game animation. that we played. This is. <laughs> and uh, we'll show we'll show Tom this game <laughs> and then have him listen to this. And rave and about like, it. What? We yeah. loved it. This you gotta so play good. it. <laughs> So what you were speaking about, uh, Hunter, the kind of the desire to, to keep going, I think a lot of it for me, I mentioned it has that arcade feel of like, you know, there's an ending and I want to get to the ending. I want to see that ending and beat it. Say yeah. it, say I beat this game myself. Yeah. Uh, Carly, any, any thoughts on expectations? And Yeah, it, I enjoyed it much more than I thought I was going to when we first watched the little teaser. You yeah. know, I thought the animation was really cool. It was nostalgic and it, it was fun to watch but it also felt really dizzying right and upon first watching it you 
you can't really make sense of what you're doing. Right. Which, you know, it definitely felt like that for the beginning part of the gameplay. But as I played it more, I really enjoyed it. And maybe that's the quarantine talking, but <laughs> I would play it again to finish it, at least to say that I beat it. Yeah. And to watch the ending sequence and then probably never touch it again. Yeah, <laughs> but but I had fun. Yeah. I really liked it. Yeah. Any So real quick, yeah. I've I've glitched the game somehow. Oh no. Um, cuz I while you guys are talking, I'm playing it. Right. And um my score is at a steady <laughs> 560,000. Oh no. And declining rapidly, but the screen is just frozen. I have no idea what's going on, but I just think this is funny. Oh, but yeah, it started off score. at like Yeah, I have the high score now, oh, no. so I'd like to lay claim um, on the prize. Oh boy. Yikes. <sighs> Anyhow. So the worst part that you guys experienced, what do you think is the, the just the worst part about Dragon's Lair as we experienced it? Hmm. It's it's hard to say because I, I feel like everything that I thought was the worst part was like, oh, it's not so bad once you like figure it out. the I, I guess you could say that the worst part is probably the lack of intuitiveness off the bat. Yeah. And that you are like given nothing. Yeah. And you're just like, wait, what? And it, that it goes so quick. But I feel like you overcome that. Mm -hmm. We overcame that fairly quickly. I mean, you know, Frank beat the game in an hour from having never played it yeah. to that point. So that would be the worst thing for me, I think, is the lack of like intuitiveness off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of piggybacking off that, I think to me, while it makes the gameplay a lot easier and maybe more satisfying that you're beating some of these levels, they chose to put that interface on the bottom. So really, like we've mentioned that you're pretty much just staring at the interface while you play. And that's not the highlight of this game. The highlight of the game is the hand-drawn animation. And if you're staring at the interface, you're not enjoying the hand-drawn animation. So kind of shooting themselves that's in the foot true. with yeah, that. Yeah, that was my biggest complaint probably as well is that you're just staring at the bottom the whole time. Maybe if they had put it in the middle of the screen, you could be paying attention a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, you're still going to be staring, waiting for the arrow to light up so you can tap it. But right. uh, you'll be able to experience a little bit more of the animation. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I did want to, because we've talked about the historic value of this game, and yet here we are on Garbage Game Night playing it. So I wanted to point out some of the poor reviews that it got. Oh, first, if you guys want to guess what the... Dragon's Lair HD, which uh, just to be clear, this is the 2006 Dragon's Lair HD release that this is based on. That's what we're the Metacritic scores we're looking at. But you guys want to put in your guesses for what that that score is, that aggregate score from Metacritic, zero out of 100. I think I'm gonna say that it's probably got a solid 70. Okay, not a bad I guess. I was gonna say 62. All right, and Frank, and I'm gonna go with 50. Wow. Well, right on the nose, Frank, it sits at 50 on Metacritic. Wow. Yeah. So some of the reviews, just some of the highlights of the reviews that it, that it had here, PC Format, who gave it a 23, said, it looks lovely, but it plays like an out-of-tune banjo, um, thanks to its notorious <laughs> trial and error gameplay. Uh, PC Game World said, the graphics, the sound, and especially the gameplay simply haven't withstood the passing years. Lobotomized bag lady wouldn't find this fun, so why would even the most casual PC gamer? Taking a, a harsh stab oh. at bag ladies, I feel like. And wow. I disagree. Yeah. That, what that, I think. Lady ever do to her? I think oh it's uh, I think it has aged well. I don't know. I that you don't see games that look like this and uh 
Yeah. Yeah, it has a unique look. I don't think that it's aged poorly. Yeah. No, not by any. That wasn't very PC of them. <laughs> no, was no. not. Poor bag ladies. Yeah. Always bag getting people? bagged on. Bag people. Bag people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Gamer 2.0 says, We'd rather view Dragon's Lair through the rose-colored glasses of reminiscence and leave the reality of its lame gameplay squarely behind us. So, I mean, maybe there is some truth to that. People have some really fond memories of this being in the arcade. And anytime that they try and bring it up, uh, dredge it back up, much like we've discussed, like GoldenEye trying to play it again, it's like, wow, that's not as good as I remember. <laughs> but I mean, like, for for a game where when you played it in the arcade... You know, you'd probably go through $10 right. in five minutes yeah. versus, oh, I can pay $10 and beat it in an hour. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it deserves a higher score. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think Absolutely. so. For a section called Someone Else's Treasure, I've got a few highly rated reviews here, and I am just sent one to Frank. Um, actually, first, if uh, Hunter, you want to jump in with your long review? Yeah, yeah. All right. Um mm-hmm. Angel Swordman 4425 says, Dark Souls of the 80s, loved it. (laughs) Which would be exactly my review. Yeah. So that's why I gave it to you. I thought you Dark Souls of the 80s, loved it. They're not wrong. I saw, yeah, you kept talking about Frank's long, and I'm looking at Carly's review now, and I get. I, clearly, I have spoken too much during this recording, and. Chris is trying to yeah, subtle message. Trying That's to what it censor is. me. <laughs> trying to censor me. Carly, you want to do yours next? Sure. Brian Reynolds says, "For anyone old enough to have frequented arcades in 1983, you'll undoubtedly remember the stir Dragon's Lair caused when it was released. I vividly recall seeing the local game with a second television monitor mounted atop the cabinet, so that the crowds of people standing around could still see the game playing even from a distance. That was 30 years ago." Video games were so primitive back then that not then that not only were characters limited in visual appeal and animation, but gameplay too was barely more than a joystick moving in four directions and tapping a button. In that context, Dragon's Lair soared above the rest with its genuine cartoon animation and even the stilted mash buttons and learn patterns gameplay wasn't too off-putting. In 2013, however, Dragon's Lair has little to offer anyone who didn't fall in love with the game back then. The gameplay is only slightly more compelling than hitting the fast-forward and skip buttons on your DVD player, and there's grade-school fanfiction of King Arthur that's deeper than the plot put in motion here. The animation is very competent, and Princess Daphne is a riot of laughter with her breathless exclamations and anatomy that should be poking holes in her costume. (laughs) Thankfully, there are options to make the game easier to play from on-screen prompts to just watching all the sequences play automatically. There are, quote, achievements, quote, for playing the game in arcade hard mode, no audio or visual prompts, but that's strictly for the, (laughs) the masochist. Yeah, and that's uh, you guys saw in the settings when you started a new game that uh, it is possible to play in arcade mode, but it does remove the interface, so it, it doesn't tell you what you need to input. So, Hunter, if you're looking for a challenge... Yeah, yeah, no, I'm <laughs> definitely going to do that. Sorry, I have some apples to pick and, and plant. <laughs> some trees to shake. <laughs> yeah. Most of the time our reviews and someone else's treasure is uh, things we completely disagree with because they loved a game that we hated. But I think most of the reviews that I put together here are um, 
They're pretty accurate. I mean, it's they, they've got a good perspective, a lot of them, on how it was popular back in the day and how it's aged now. So anyway, Frank, what you got there? Those old people and their nostalgia. All right. This one was done by Dark and Done. All right. And uh, there's some grammatical errors that I saw. I'm just going to read them with the grammatical errors because, you know, <laughs> why, why uh, fluff it up? I just don't think I have the words to tell you how truly amazing this game is. Don't worry, guys. He has the words. Um, I was always a fan of the Disney movies growing up, and when I found out that Don and his amazing animators were going to take a stab in making a video game, well, let's just say I had to check it out for myself. But where? Where else but Showbiz Pizza? And lo and behold, there it was, crowns all around, daring to take their turn in the crazy castle in hopes of treasure and one very hot babe. I, like the other snooks, took my kicks, but eventually figured out the correct sequences to actually beat the game. I recommend this game to anyone that, like myself, dig the nostalgia and want to wants to relive some awesome memories. Cheers. And then he goes on. <laughs> Two additions. The extra sections of this game cannot be beat. Often, I will run the movie just to let people who are not fortunate enough to beat the game be able to see the full game through and possibly Those pick up hints along the way. few... <laughs> not to mention they just start playing a YouTube video it's like why are we watching this can we do something else <laughs> yeah not to mention that you will always get a conversation about it at you home parties seems like those of us that grew up with arcades regularly available to us and then in parentheses my generation no offense to others in parentheses <laughs> whoa, whoa. still find I'm these offended. old games very much worth it it's a <laughs> Boomers. You know, in my day, diarrhea was a death sentence. It's like, oh, that's so cool. So, oh man, too bad I didn't get to grow up playing this Don Bluth game. Yeah. What would I have done? In my day, touching a doorknob was a death sentence. What a world. So, final part of our podcast here is to give it the Garbage Valley rating score. So just I realize I never introduced this very well, so to give it a proper introduction, the Garbage Valley score, it goes from 0 to 10, and that's normally how you would score a game, but you can also score it in the negatives up to negative 10. If you imagine the scoring system as being a U-shaped curve as it gets higher, gets all the way up to positive 10 or negative 10, it's increasing in enjoyment. Negative 10 movie is like Sharknado, for example. You're absolutely going to enjoy it, but it's not good. Positive 10 game would be like your your Portal 2s, your your Zeldas, and a game that's just absolutely not worth anyone's time is a zero. Secret service. So, um, you guys, what, what do you think? Is it, a, is it a good game? Is it a bad game? And then how much enjoyment did you get out of it? I would one. say that for a garbage score, I would say like a negative five, maybe. All right. I'm, you know, it was fun. I don't know that it's for everybody. I think it might be too simple for some people that they'll lose interest in it. Yeah. You know, maybe some younger people wouldn't be as interested in the animation style, even though I didn't grow up with this game. I really liked it because it just looks like something nostalgic to me. Yeah, it looks like something I so, grew up with, yeah. Yeah, it's not a good game. <laughs> At least this, I don't know about the arcade version, you know, compared to what was out back then. But it doesn't really hold up to, like, other games that I've been playing lately. Oh, but yeah. I had a lot of fun, and I would go back and play it again. T- 
Yeah, and ten out of ten though on quarantine these, uh, games. <laughs> yeah, we're, we rate Ready Player games based on us playing it now. How how is the game now in today's atmosphere? So yeah, I mean to spend ten dollars on this game when you look at other things that are available in, in Steam, there's much better places to spend ten dollars. Um, unless you really want to get nostalgic about it, right? Unless you're really interested in the history of it, which this game has some history to it. So that that's some value, I suppose, but it's not inherent uh, within the gameplay. Yeah, I think. Uh... I, I was shocked at how much I enjoyed the game after playing it for a little bit. Like, after hating it at first and just being like, oh, it's just quick time events. I, I want to give it, like, a bad score because I, I agree with you on the fact that having the directionals where they are really does take away from the rest of the game. Yeah. I would do it similar, like, probably negative seven, negative eight. But as, like, an experience experience or or just watching it i i really love the animation and i yeah. really love like the play style i really did enjoy playing it and the guy in the one review talked about the extras and i'm gonna go in there and look at them but uh you know i want to watch the whole thing yeah so i can focus on it rather than just like you know trying to play it again yeah but i do intend on like trying to play it and beat it yeah, I hope so, because I, I bought it for you. It was a gift. It was a Steam gift, Hunter. <laughs> I won it. I won it. I worked hard. That's true. You I, did I thought it, yeah. for about 20 <laughs> minutes on my concept of adventures. adventures. And... All right, Frank, what do you think? <sighs> I hate to be <laughs> Zero. so different from everyone all the time, but it's just something about life. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I was originally going to give it a two. Okay. But it's got some neat, you know, the animation... You know, very pointy nipples. So I'm gonna give it a four. You know, and that's that's where it lays at a four. I'm, I'm interested in the the extra two points that you uh, gave it because the, the extra nipples. two points that it had. Yeah, the, yeah. Oh yeah, the nipple. Yeah, one one point for each nipple, obviously. <laughs> okay, perfect. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I struggle between calling it a bad game. Like uh, we rate these like us playing it in 2020, and it doesn't stand up to other games coming out in 2020. That's for sure. Like as far as nah. experience you can get out of it, but there's there's a ton of history in that. But I think maybe I'm giving it extra points for the sake of its its legacy that we talked about this evening. And oh, I'll give it a I think probably like a negative six. I think I think I think as a package, like there's the interviews that it comes with are pretty interesting if you're interested in the history. So that that does lend itself more to the enjoyment of learning about this game. I want to learn how to draw dirt. Yeah, that's in there that too. Was an extra. It's cool. <laughs> I, I love watching like a master uh, animator draw his characters like that, and it's 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 cool. Um, so yeah, there's some cool extras in there. I wouldn't pick it up for ten dollars. Like, wait for it to go on sale, and uh, or wait for a sucker like me to give it to you as a gift, and then uh, <laughs> then it's worth you it. You just spent thirty dollars <laughs> on the game. <laughs> you guys are returning that, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I have to feed my family and buy toilet paper. <laughs> oh God! Back to, to the real world <laughs> right now. It's fifty dollars a roll these days. <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, that's Dragon's Lair. Um, exciting stuff, and probably the oldest game that we'll ever play. It was the high score, right? Yeah. So I'll I'll get this little uh, red dragon to our winner of the high score, Carly, and. Uh, I'll disinfect it first. So there you go. Oh, thank you. <laughs> no problem. I'll only accept it if Clorox wiped. So we, Carly and I have been, we have we have been social distancing as the best we can, but yeah. um, we had some stuff that we had to give to people uh, for birthdays and whatnot. And yeah. we've been going over to people's houses and sanitizing the stuff, laying it on their patio <laughs> with a sanitized like napkin yeah. 
next to it, <laughs> knocking on the door and then running away. Oh, boy. Basically <laughs> playing like the Corona version of Ding Dong Ditch. Yeah. And we've, had to, we've had to do that like two or three times. Yeah. And it, it's always funny. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like your post about... Maybe uh, you'll be next. We did consider doing it to you as well. I saw Matea's post the other day about the search for toilet paper. We got you if you need some. We have some. I think we ended up finding some, and we've we've given a few rolls Uh, away. Great. (laughs) We keep... uh, You've got rolls to spare. Big spender. Square to spare. Square to spare. We keep ours uh, in a cabinet in our garage, and I've been keeping the garage door open because I'm home all the time, and I'm, like, running the 3D printer out there and, like, working out there and stuff. When I say working, I'm, like, trying to fix our lawnmower, and I've made things exponentially worse. But... uh, Like it's not good if gasoline's leaking out your your uh, your spark plug hole. So, but I keep leaving the garage door open, and Matea's freaking out because like UPS yeah. will come and deliver, and like they they sometimes will think they're doing a nice thing by dropping the package in the garage, but Matea's like that's that's where the toilet paper is. They'll take the toilet paper. Yeah. <laughs> it's a hot commodity right yeah, now. Yeah, they see the toilet paper. Also, now around. when we run out, we know where to restock. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the garage is my always garage open. Now. Speaking of fixing lawnmowers one time i poured chlorine into a lawnmower's gas tank on accident on accident you don't you don't so leave your I, gasoline I, next to your chlorine <laughs> okay so i'm not i i'm my my least favorite subject of life in general is cars i don't know anything about cars i don't know anything about like machinery yeah i'm no good with magic it. machines that go that's fine and i was very young and my dad had a ride on lawnmower and he was like, yeah, just mow the lawn. You're probably going to run out of gas. There's a gas can oh, in man. the garage where he keeps the toilet paper. <laughs> and so I went in there and I saw a gas can. The only thing that was different about this gas can and every other gas can that I've seen was that it was yellow. <laughs> so I just figured, oh, he's got a yellow gas can. So I picked it up. I fill the tank. I do about like five minutes of lawn mowing <laughs> and white smoke oh, starts oh, billowing oh, no. from the lawn mower. <laughs> and uh, so I turn it off and I run inside and I'm like, hey, dad, I think there's something wrong. <laughs> and uh, he very quickly figured out what it was. Yeah. And I think I I think I ruined yeah, the lawn mower. And so. he had to like get it. Yeah. That would probably so, destroy all the gaskets. Yeah. Wow. I made it. Yeah. I made I made his lawnmower exponentially worse <laughs> by pouring chlorine into the gas tank. Wow! But you learned a valuable lesson. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I guess that's the bad. lesson. Is, is yellow <laughs> red good? It was it actually like a gas I've can? That sounds like it's on me. him. It was a gas can. Wow! Like no. it was absolute. So no. No. Hold we on, had I'm a gonna pool look up growing a up, and the chlorine always came in a big uh, plastic yellow can. Oh, okay. You had to take it down to the pool store and get it filled up, or you could exchange it for an already full one. Yeah, it kind of looks like a gas can. It does not look like a gas can. To somebody who doesn't know cars, it's close enough to a gas can. It's a can. liquid that makes the thing go. (laughs) Yeah, and it works for fun. Put it in. You know? Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. So if you ever need to mow... You only All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. copyright fair use exemption for criticism and commentary. Garbage Game Night makes no claims to ownership over any games played and has no affiliation with any developer or publishing company. For additional references on cited articles and quotes, check our episode-related blog at garbagegamenight.com 
or if you have a comment about the game we reviewed or have a suggestion, drop us a line.